0: I think agencies weren't in the best shape. You know, this is a low growth, lower margin industry. But the good news is it's the perfect time for change. So as we talk about the digitization of everything, what does that mean from an agency perspective, both in terms of delivery and also in terms of, you know, the skill set, the kind of people that we have, the systems that we're putting in place? How are we really becoming more effective and efficient and helping clients drive growth? I think That's one of the biggest opportunities now. It's not even about advertising, like what does that mean, building awareness, building, it's like how do you survive and how do you drive growth, right? So those are the things that I think are definitely in the forefront of our clients, whether they're retail or whether they're, you know, kind of a a traditional bricks and mortar industry, legacy industry, new retail, I mean, I think they're, they're all kind of going through those two changes. How are they gonna survive and how are they gonna grow and how are they gonna pivot to the new consumer behavior? curious to know what industry-leading marketers are looking to achieve in the ever-evolving digital landscape? The How Agencies Thrive Podcast by StackAdapt is dedicated to helping the new breed of forward-thinking, savvy, lean, and mean marketers win in the rapidly evolving digital landscape. Time to Thrive.
1: Welcome to How Agencies Thrive Podcast. My name is Vitaly Pichersky, and I'm the host of this podcast. Today's episode is the final episode of our first season, and do have a guest for you. Today, we're welcoming Alex Panousis, CEO of Cara Canada. Alex has previously held roles as president of HAVAS and spent a decade as CEO of Starcom. She's a passionate educator and serves as a community director at MarketingTO. So I can't think of a better person to join us for the, our closing episode than her. Alex, welcome to our podcast.
0: Hey, Vitaly. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Great. Well, Alex, you're definitely joining us at at an interesting time. You know, when we're conceptualizing this podcast in the beginning of the year, I I would have never thought that we would find ourselves in the middle of a global pandemic. So a lot of things had to change. And, you know, being in summer 2020, everything is Changing and evolving as we as we go. So, I'd love to maybe before we dive into kind of the meaty part of our podcast, just to hear uh, from your perspective on how pandemic affected your clients, how your business is evolving during this time, and any interesting insights that you may have taken away from it.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I think as you said it, there's no playbook for this for this time in the world, right? This is a pandemic. I've never lived through a pandemic. I've lived through some recessions, but I don't think. The past necessarily forges the future. What I think is interesting is how quickly things changed in and particularly you know in in the media world and and also you know with clients, when people stopped going to work, they stopped buying things, they stopped eating out, they stopped buying cars. And so there was a, you know, we saw some massive shifts in 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 um, you know purchase behavior way more online uh, e-commerce than we've ever seen Um, and one of the things that i think is is interesting is how much of that behavior is going to stick post pandemic because it's like did we build you know is our usage of TikTok was that just like (laughs) frivolity or is that going to stick are we going to look looking back at this time are some of those things going to change so i think our clients there are lots of really broad categories i think there is no same story auto i think has gone through a difficult time i think they're bouncing back cpg i think is um is doing you know better than expected i think qsr is pressured i think there are some service industries and businesses that have done well there's some luxury brands that have gotten you know a bit more buoyant with some revenge shopping i guess that's the, that's the word of, of yeah. the day Agencies, look, I think agencies were, uh, weren't in the best shape. You know, this is a low growth, lower margin industry. But the good news is it's the perfect time for change. So as we talk about the digitization of everything, what does that mean from an agency perspective, both in terms of delivery and also in terms of, you know, the skill set, the kind of people that we have, the systems that we're putting in place? How are we really becoming more effective and efficient? And helping clients drive growth. I think that's one of the biggest opportunities now. It's not even about advertising. Like, what does that mean? Building awareness, building. It's like, how do you survive? And how do you drive growth, right? So those are the things that I think um, are definitely in the, in the forefront of our clients. Whether they're retail or whether they're, you know, kind of a, a traditional bricks and mortar industry, legacy industry, um, new retail, I mean. I think they're they're all kind of going through those two changes. How are they going to survive and how are they going to grow and and how are they going to pivot to the new consumer behavior?
1: Yeah, I think uh, you're absolutely right. You know, this is definitely the time for, for change. And, you know, the companies that would probably lose in the long term are the ones that just waiting it out. I think the companies that have been really rapid at responding, they're ultimately winning. You know, there are businesses that are doing even better now Than before uh, COVID. Um, Not necessarily like B2B software, for example, that kind of powers this digital uh, workforce, for example, but even some categories where you never thought they would be performing so well like they do today.
0: Yeah, I mean, Zoom's market cap is greater than the entire automotive category. I mean, it's a pretty astonishing shift. You know, when we kind of think about that fourth dimension fourth you know industrial revolution of information and how quickly we've seen um if you look at the last year just even the velocity of the downs and the ups and the companies that are winning versus the companies that are challenged it's a fascinating time Mm
1: -hmm. yeah You know the the really the topic of this episode is sort of building the agency 2.0. So um, for the main part of our discussion, I'd love to take a deeper dive into the business of agencies and maybe speculate of what that model will look like in the future. But to start, maybe um, let's imagine you're talking to somebody who's been on a remote island for the last five years and had no access to the internet and they were a marketer before they left. So what would you tell them now about sort of the state of agency business and how it has changed over the last five years?
0: Yeah, it's a a great question. Look, um, there's good news and there's bad news. heres I'll start with the bad news. I think that... um, There has never been more commoditization of agencies than there is today. Like we essentially, you know, media today is such a commodity as an industry. We've eliminated the differences amongst the outputs of our competitors. So whether you're agency A or agency B, at the end of the day, there is very little, little difference, like true difference, true differentiators. And I think that's a challenge. So I think that's one big issue, the differentiation part. The other part is growth for agencies, and margin delivery is harder to come uh, from today. So thinking about um, about what that looks like moving forward is a real is a real challenge. Whereas I would say even five years ago there were there was more buoyancy in the marketplace. Now you know the, the growth is. You know, what's the latest report? Like we're we're sort of the industry is growing at less than 4%. It's certainly not robust. And in order to really kind of show velocity, you've got to move into different areas. So what's the good news? The good news is that there are opportunities in vertical integration. There are opportunities in different sectors. The opportunities for data-led media creativity offer up, done right, offer up a significant way of having clients understand, you know, the return on advertising investment, the return on capital investment, if it can drive growth. And I think those are the things that agencies need to really kind of focus on, whereas in media, you know, we used to be all about kind of buying and buying precision. Now that seems to be table stakes, right? Pricing seems to be table stakes. We've got to get into industries that are consulting. We've got to get into tech and digital and enablement. We've got to get into more of the what's the idea that's going to help us grow, not the technology that'll get there. What's the actual idea? And then how can you, through an end-to-end delivery system, um, show up to the consumer in a way that's actually going to drive the business? I think that's that's the good news, and I think – We're moving into a time where the talent pool that is now succeeding on the agency side is really, you know, doubling down. They're doubling down in digital. They're doubling down in tech. They're recognizing that they need to learn skills like design thinking. They need to take some of the um, kind of the things that some other industries, engineering as an example, has uh, standardization and start to use that in a more systemic way in the advertising and media industry so you know i am nothing but optimistic and today Vitali, especially today because ontario and toronto toronto specifically has moved into stage three so i think you know the idea of restart and the idea of you know kind of moving forward is um is a big theme Mm
1: -hmm. yeah you know uh alex i would love to come back to to the topic of talent Uh, a little later in our discussion because I think it's incredibly important. But to your point about kind of data-driven creative, I think, you know, in in the past few years, especially with um, perhaps virtualization technologies, there's been a lot of promise around pure data-driven creative that Mm -hmm. drives results that maybe in some ways automates sort of intervention from humans. But at the same time, that ultimately leads to potentially very similar, predictable, creative that a lot of brands, like it doesn't really resonate with a lot of brands that have historically been really investing in really outstanding kind of media innovation. So where do you find that balance between really data and creative? And in our previous call, uh, call, you mentioned the concept of the meeting behind humans versus data. Mm -hmm. So like maybe you can talk a little bit more on that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the last few years, our industry has focused on kind of short-termism, right? So the idea that a brand would show up, right person, right place, right time with a message that, you know, it's like five o'clock, it's dinner time, you know, is that enough to inspire someone to actually go to Popeye's or do you need to have a more kind of holistic, more, I don't know, I wouldn't say interesting, but more kind of creative message. Take some of the things that Burger King is doing and, so I think that the we went too far into the, the the data nuances, lost a bit of the big picture. And then I think to your to your point, some of the stuff that we used to talk about, like the, that was supposedly possible, we really actually weren't really activating against. So I think today we're now at an opportunity where the technology is there, we are able to personalize messaging. Then the question becomes, what's the right message to serve? And so Thinking about that is, is really important. You know, data is only as good as the data you have. And I don't think we've always had perfect data. I also think that the way that you motivate people to take action is an art. And so finding humanity and kind of building that bridge from what you say and how you say it and where you say it is as important as looking at technology and data and delivery and, you um, and I think we're now, it's almost like as an industry, we were sort of toddlers and now we're maturing. And as the industry matures, we know better. And bringing that humanity into the numbers, the meaning and the math, right, I think is going to be a bedrock of how our industry uh, moves forward and delivers more value.
1: So spend a lot more time probably with the end customer and really understand what is the the problem that the brand is solving. Yeah, exactly. really try to find it how you solve that consumer's problem in a way that's definitely unique, but also in a way that really would make your brand stand out.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, look, I mean, we know more about people today than ever before. Like in a nanosecond, we can understand where they are, we know what their preferences are, we have a sense of behavior, we know what they liked before. And they tell us more things about themselves, right? So taking advantage of that, but in a way that actually demonstrates that we actually really understand them as people, you know, because, I mean, it sounds pedantic, but Advertising, you know, we're not not talking to Martians, we're talking to people, and we've got to make sure that those messages are human. Even when I look at DTC brands, and, you know, just even some of the interesting ways that they're showing up in in various areas in social media, uh, you know, they're scratching an itch, they're they're focusing on something that is, you know, to your point, a problem, and they're offering up a solution in a really interesting way, and those are the brands that are winning,
1: Can you think of a couple brands that really stand out to you?
0: Well, I mean, you know, to me, Harry's is a great example. I think The Ordinary is a great example. I think Revolution is a great example, Clothing Line. There are many. I mean, even, I guess, an older brand, Allbirds, um, Tesla you know, Tesla doesn't spend money in marketing. Like, here's a great example, right? They compete with GM and that whole and Toyota and Honda. And what they do is they have a charismatic CEO that tweets something on, uh, you know, on Twitter, and then that gets shared around the world and creates demand, excitement, and velocity. I mean, who would have ever thought that we could go from this legacy category of automotive to Tesla having more market cap? Tesla's bigger than Toyota. Like, it's it's incredible. And I think part of that, uh, part of the digitization, uh, like the kind of what's happened is more is possible. And those brands that have taken advantage of that are the ones that are winning.
1: Mm-hmm. But do you think so? To to the point about Tesla, you know, with them, um, I mean, I've I, I wish I had a Tesla. I've driven Tesla before; mm-hmm. it, it's amazing. But it, you know, in in their case, it starts with amazing product, right? Mm-hmm. So, do you think marketing team in general spends enough time with the product team? to really um, make sure that the product itself actually delivers on the promise. Then ultimately, if, you know, repeat purchase, it all comes down to product actually solving the problem really well. Like if you, if you, well, in the case of Tesla, maybe you don't buy it every year, but, you know, if you buy um, something more trivial, like, yeah. I don't know, garbage bags, but they, you know, they don't rip. The repeat purchase comes from really... Uh, product itself
0: i think your point's an interesting one i mean look uh, tesla's issue is it doesn't have the level of recurring revenue you say that a netflix has or or even a peloton like some you know you about three modern brands that are succeeding today but you know i think they've just started so if i look at tesla to me i look at okay who's buying a tesla and what else can they buy what services you know do birds of a feather flock together, I don't know, is Tesla the kind of company like, can you start a dating app with Tesla users? Like, I, I, you know, I don't know, but I think they, they're, can you start a content network for Tesla users? They're forward thinking, they're revolutionary. What's the next Ted talk infrastructure that will appeal to a, an, or, you know, a, a group, a community of Tesla drivers that I think will be really unique. I think that's, those are the kinds of problems that we have to now solve in new and different ways that are you know to me those are the the, the interesting modern challenges um, and i think you know our agencies doing that i think the competition with consultancies is real i think to to a certain degree they are more um, capable of answering some of those questions because some of the solutions aren't media aren't advertising they're they're broader business and so being able to understand the end to end offering from you know, what your consumer is looking for, To how do you fulfill a car and what that experience is, and then what do you do next after they purchased one, I think is a really big opportunity for us as an industry to kind of wrap our heads around.
1: Yeah, and I think that's, that's ultimately what I'm observing that more brands are looking really for sort of, you know, help across the board, right? They don't need help. With, only with messaging, they they really want to tie everything together. You know all their systems. They want to to make sure that it really f- all this work on the marketing f- and properly funnels into their revenue uh, projections. And 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 I think that's ultimately why consultancies have been successful. But I imagine there's still so many things that agencies, marketing agencies, can do better than consultancies. From your perspective, where what would be You know a strength of an agency that Mm -hmm. for a consultancy would be really hard to replicate
0: yeah i mean i think two things i I think the first one is really the the way that agencies think about solving problems and 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 looking at idea first media-led idea creativity i think is is different coming from an agency and the way that we approach it versus Uh, the skill set that a consultant would have. I also think as much as they're moving into areas of delivery and and actual media execution, I just don't see the scale there. So they may have, you know, a team of, I don't know, 50, you know, search experts at Deloitte in the Deloitte media group, you know, but we at, at, you know, at Dentsu have like (laughs) Mm 10,000 at our global footprint. And so the ability then to inject and to learn and to iterate and to, Kind of understand best practices, I think, is stronger. Um, but you know, I mean, it's it's fascinating, right? Like Droga5 got sold to Accenture. Like people are like the the things that are that are happening today are really changing the landscape. So I think um, the modern media agency, the modern agency, has got to really double down on what's the idea that's going to drive growth for your client. And if you can come up with that in a really fresh, interesting way using data and technology, digital um and everything that's available to you, you're gonna win.
1: Yeah, I I think, you know, that that has always been a philosophy for us at StackAdapt. You know, we've always looked at 80-20 rule and double down on things that produce um, you know, exponentially more outcome for the input. So with with agencies, I feel like yeah. because it's fairly easy to add services what is the next hottest platform? Oh, okay, Pinterest. Let's start. Let's spin out a Pinterest consulting arm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it, at some point, you're just doing everything. It's really hard to differentiate yourself from other businesses because you you end up offering everything. Yeah. Um, and then you obviously cannot double down on one thing where you can probably recruit the best in the business.
0: Yeah.
1: And really really carve out that niche and and really own it.
0: Yeah, I think that's the challenge, right? But if you look at a market like Canada, one of the things that we have, we have a lot of great agencies. Like the, the bar is really high. What I'm looking to do at Kara specifically is to start to elevate their point of view in areas like intent, in areas like commerce, in areas like content where we're able to offer our clients a very distinct point of view in categories where we have expertise, automotive, retail, cpg And we're able to use that um, view on the landscape to help them differentiate from their competitors and grow. You know, so concepts like brand as commerce, I think, you know, that's not just about Pinterest. It's not just about... Um, Amazon, it's also about how to use legacy media like television and out of home to drive that conversation. So instead of having, you know, kind of we're doing a brand idea here on the left hand side, and then we're going to do a, you know, drive action and drive sales on the right hand side, we're starting to think about that ecosystem in a more fluid way. I think to your point, or to to our discussion earlier, that does require a different skill set. It requires people that can come into media that are also really versed in, in business and that they understand how the some of the parts come together as opposed to just doing a great job, you know, we're ten years ago we were doing a great job buying GRPs or buying impressions. You know, we're no longer outcomes are no longer the the bar. We actually have to have to get beyond just the the, the clicks and the stuff and the you know the ways that we're buying to actually really helping clients um, transform their business.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah and you know on the topic of talent I can speak about myself you know when I was early in my career I maybe I was not properly explained <laughs> during university that when you join a company it's it's really in many cases not uh about just doing that one thing that you hired for but rather it's like you are doing that one thing but the best path for career growth is really to have deep understanding of what the company does and finding ways to translate what you do to like the the business growth. So speaking about talent, what have you seen younger staff look for in their job over what they looked for in the past?
0: I mean, the, the challenge advertising used to be, you know, it was like the, cool, the, the place for the cool kids. And um, now it's no longer the place for the cool kids, right? The, if you're the cool kid, you're going to tech. If you're the cool kid, you're going to places where the industry has more of a career accelerant. And so now that I think, you know, now that advertising, you know, we've, we've kind of, you know, kind of like we did it to ourselves, right? We weren't investing. We were kind of milking the brands. We were sort of, you know, squeezing out the margins and we weren't kind of investing back in the business. Now we're going back and saying, okay, so what do, uh, what does an entry level person want in a career in advertising? Well, they want great training. They want great management skills. They want to learn how to solve problems. They want to know how to connect the real the hard skills of how to actually connect with clients and come up with ideas so part of that is very technical like i'm a big believer in badges i'm a big believer in like ensuring that the core competencies are there and then it's about learning the soft skills it's it's about learning you know how to be human and how to how to use technology to elevate ideas and and uh, what is a great idea and how do you differentiate between a good idea and a great idea and a great business building idea and so our competition isn't just other agencies. Our competition now is Google. When I was at Starcom, I lost more people in digital to Facebook. Like I have, I probably had like 12, 12 of my, like they come, we train them. They would do an incredible job. And then Facebook would call them and there was nothing I could do. I could, there's no way I could compete against Facebook. But what I wanted to do was I almost used that in some ways to my advantage. I said, listen, more of my people have gone to Facebook. So we're doing something right. We're training Mm -hmm. them in the right way. We're giving them. And it's like recognizing that they're not going to come in like they did before and do 20 years at your firm they're going to come in and do, you know, 3 to 5 hopefully. And then I think that's what we haven't prepared for and that that's another area for talent. Like bringing them in, showing them career acceleration, recognizing they're going to leave. And then instead of managing just the front end, manage the back end. I want to create alumni groups. I want people to know that, you know, when they've spent three years with my agency, that they talk about that as the best experience they've ever had. And that I am able to give them um, that, that experience in exchange for the value that they're going to be bringing to our clients.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I I absolutely love that. I I, I think... That's a, that's a great way of thinking about it because you're absolutely right. You know, nowadays people want to get a lot of different uh, experience, recognizing that there's a lot of value that they can create and, and investing in them, despite the fact that they may leave three years later. Yeah. Um, I think it's incredibly important to the topic of education. Do you think universities and colleges are doing a good job producing this young talent? Or do you think there are um, areas of improvement that they can do like? anything stands out to you?
0: Yeah, look, I I don't know. I I teach at Humber in the postgraduate program um, in in media. I think education is about, is broader than just having a skill. And the problem today is it's the expense of the practical reality. You know, if you're going in and getting a liberal arts degree in something and you're coming out, you have, you know, you don't have any skills. Like you then have to decide like, what, what job are you going to do? And so I think we are shifting a little bit from this. And I think both sides are important. Like I want people to love the arts and, and, and think about anthropology and philosophy and, and push us as a society. I think we're better for it. But I also feel that there ne- there's a grave need for technical skills, like hard skills, um, and those technical skills, whether they're, you know, learning to code or knowing how to traffic an ad, like when you're coming into an agency in an entry level job, there are some things like I think you need to have. You need to be Google certified. I think you need to know how to traffic an ad. I think you need to understand the media ecosystem and be able to be fluid around it. I remember doing a session at MarketingTO on social influencers and there was a there was a brand leader that said well the whole reason why we hire influencers is only because we ourselves don't know the platforms we don't know tiktok so we're not hiring people because we think it's going to drive the business we're actually trying to learn on the backs of, of that talent so i think that's also interesting right it's like go into an organization and like be an expert in snapchat or tiktok or you know really understand how like how do you like launch a facebook campaign like it's it's crazy how many people in digital today don't know how to do that. Like literally take a small business, put them on Facebook, do or something as simple as it's not simple, but, you know, something as as critical as understanding how to, you know, how to to do schema and managing the back end of SEO. Those are skills that are critical today. As a leader, you need to understand them because you need to be able to look at the, you know, what's available and be able to make those connections. But as someone that's going in, I think having that background. So as much as I think university and college is great, I also think brainstation is great. I also think some of the very sort of technical uh, skills that you can get going to like a college, like a, like a Humber or a Centennial, where you're going to learn some of those things. And then the other thing that I wish was more buoyant were, were internships where you're actually like imagine like a plumber right you're interning to learn how to do something so like internships that actually teach you some of the fundamental basics of our industry is also an area of opportunity and I think we're getting there but I think there's we're ways away from perfection yeah 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 I
1: th- I think you're you're right you know for for universities or colleges it's 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 hard to adjust the program so quickly to keep it relevant with today's, for example, technologies or tools. That's why these programs like or schools like BrainStation, like this continued education, yeah. are so successful. Is because there's always something new, and I think maybe that's a, an opportunity for for companies is really to almost think of themselves as that platform where young talent can come in, and they whenever they leave. They'll always look back, thinking like that's when that's where I really hold my skills.
0: Exactly, I think even myself. Like I like this year, I took a product management course at BrainStation. Personally, i just before COVID. You did everything, um, Alex. Yeah, but, I, but I wanted to do it, you know, to me, it's like, because I felt that there were areas of the language of that. Like I, I ran Havas at the time and we were an end to end agency. And so I had some exposure to it, but I didn't know it deeply. And not that I know it deeply now, but the exposure that I had, the ability to work at best in class models, learn from people that are with their top of the game, like some incredible leaders in that field. Right. So to me, that is what having a vital robust career really is like being able to find the space learn something new and then apply it to the solutions that are presented in front of you every day
1: that's awesome i uh, i'm sure a lot of people are inspired by by your career and everything that you do you're just you have your hands everywhere it's it's incredible <laughs> so um i my next question um is really around Uh, Maybe it's somewhat an introspective question. Do you think media agencies are doing a good job reflecting today's society? Um, And maybe you can tell me more about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. I think uh, we have, I certainly think the agencies that I've worked at, we have tried really hard to be diverse Diverse at, at every level, so in skill set, and the way people look, and the way they show up and come across, and different backgrounds, and not hiring each other is, is has been a theme. Do I think we're there? No, we're, we're definitely not there. Is it perfect? No, but I think you know, sunshine is the best disinfectant. The best thing, one of the best things I think that's happened during COVID, the conversations around uh, Black Lives Matter, the conversations around diversity. I just did a marketing TO with a woman, her name is Jessica Joan Richards, who talked about lookism and, and, you know, is there a beauty bias in uh, in the industries that we work in? And, And the reality is that, you know, we are not perfect. Advertising was, you know, for the longest time, a bunch of white men, if you think about mad men, then a few women joined. Then we had movements that said women were being paid less than men. You know, there was a big movement a few years ago. Less than 3% of creative directors around the world were female, um, let alone women of color. So I think we, as an industry, we are, we've got to recognize that when we have a problem and then two, we have to figure out ways to attract and, and, uh, and get people to join the industry that are more diverse. Look, I think I'm optimistic that we are better off now than we were, uh, a year ago. And I think that the issue can only make us stronger and more reflective. We also know that industries that are more diverse tend to do better on the S&P, tend to have better ideas, tend to grow faster. In technology, the diversity of views allows us to make products that service more people because we have perspective, right? So I think all of those things um, for me are are positive. And I think agencies are becoming um, more aware of some of the gaps that they have. Uh,
1: do you think some of these uh, protests translated into somewhat of a longer term conversation within brands or do you think it was more reactionary when they kind of addressed it back in June or do you see that more of them still discussing it f- and actually taking steps to to bring change?
0: Yeah, here here's my hope. We used to believe that you know, performance comes at any price, like I could buy whatever audience I want, whatever long tail, whatever, you know, it didn't matter. So if I was a cereal brand, I remember this, the story really clearly, my father was dying of cancer. And I was on a whole bunch of blogs, looking about looking at stage four lung cancer. And and, no, and I was a woman in my 40s. And I was, you know, I guess my behavior suggested I was dieting, you know, I don't know, and I was getting these ads for like, diet cereal or more protein in my cereal. And here I am on a site where I'm reading about, you know, someone dying and, you know, a stage four uh, test, a medical test, and I'm being served ads that are looking at my behavior, not my intent. So that's ridiculous, right? That that is. And so as an industry, we've learned that You know, that's just not the the right way of, of moving forward. And then that that then creates a question of, you know, does media have meaning? Are you able to make a choice that may not necessarily be the cheapest place to buy an audience, but more a more effective place to buy an audience? We know that that's today. We know that that's the right thing. You're better off paying more to get the right context to reach your audience. The Facebook question or the the question around hate that's been kind of brewing, you know, Facebook and, and frankly, all social media that is consumer created, I think has caused brands to step up and take a pause. It's like, what's the line we're willing to tolerate? What's the line? What's good enough? And the only way that we can do that is to understand that we have less control in some of these environments, right? When uh, when social media is being curated by individuals, you can't control content, so I think that's one thing. Despite the safety precautions, it's not ever gonna be 100%. And then, are you willing to use your dollars to make a statement? And we've seen many brands and many clients that are willing to do that. Whether that will be sustainable, you know, I'm, I'm not sure, but I hope it creates some really good conversations, both with agencies and with clients, about what the future means. I've always said to clients, in my classroom and, and people that I know, it's like, just because you can doesn't mean you should, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And I, I do think, I don't know, maybe I'm not like the full capitalist that I should be, but I do think that there, that's, there are certain things that matter. And, um, and I believe in, in a value-based, um, meaningful way of, of reaching people. And I do think there are environments that you can do that in despite the challenges that we have in front of us today.
1: Yeah, I think it's um it's a very important and certainly very difficult topic. You know, I I would love to have more brands not only introspectively ask themselves like what are they doing internally to actually bring change aside from maybe supporting some causes on on paper, um but maybe even challenge vendors that they work with around like what th- what do they do to support values that they have. Um, so I guess uh, time will tell what the future looks like. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Well, Alex, um, I think this is a, a great way to wrap up the the podcast. I um, I feel definitely inspired talking to you. I, I think you have so many great ideas. I I'm sure listeners of this podcast will will find your career, your views, very enlightening. And um, I. I, I'm very grateful that you joined us for for today's conversation.
0: Well, right back at you. I think you guys are doing a great job at StackAdapt. Um, you're one of the, you know, highlights Canadian unicorns. Um, you're just really changing the marketplace and really adding a tremendous amount of value. Um, thank you for, for taking the time to, to do this. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think, these conversations just elevate our industry. It's like good for us to talk about these things. It's good for us to have points of view. We don't have to agree. It's great that we're able to debate. And, uh, and I think that helps all of us, uh, move forward.
1: Yeah. Thank you very much, Alex. Yeah.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. Cheers.
1: Thank you very much for tuning into this episode today. If you like what you heard, it would mean a world to us. If you do these three things, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. If you're listening to this and know someone who would find this episode valuable, please share it with them. And finally, please share it on LinkedIn. If you have questions or feedback, or would love to learn how agencies or brands work with StackAdapt, find us at www.stackadapt.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.